So, uh, recently on a Wednesday night, I was I, I was teaching on the humanity of Jesus and the reality that while Jesus is the only begotten Son of God, He chose to truly become 100% human. In other words, Jesus wasn't some like super breed of human that wasn't really human. He was 100% human. And he experienced temptation like we experienced temptation. He was just yet without sin. Never did give in like we have given in. He dealt with pain. He dealt with sorrow. He dealt with fear. And this morning, I want to look at this passage that I read with an with a interesting just kind of question of why. It says Jesus set his face like a flint. Now, let me explain what that means. A flint here is a stone. It, it gives us the, the, uh, the imagery of a stone that has been carved into the shape of of a person, a statue. Now, just humor me for a second, but I want you to picture a statue of a person, and I want you to picture you just being silly and stupid, maybe for the camera, maybe to try to make people laugh, but I want to picture yourself in front of the statue trying to make the statue change its facial expression. It's impossible. It is a stone that has been carved a certain way. This is the imagery that the Word of God is giving us concerning Jesus' heart, His attitude, His mindset, His body posture that would be necessary to endure the cross. That when the time would come, that Jesus would have to endure the brutality of the cross, it would require him that he set his face like a flint. When I read that, I just thought to myself, it would seem in my mind that that wouldn't be required of Jesus. The Jesus that following God would be easy for Jesus because he was Jesus. That whatever God's will was would have just come easy to him. It's hard to me, but surely it was easy to him. And what we see is that even for the Lord Jesus Christ, there were certain things that God had called him to do. There were certain things within the will of God the Father that were so difficult for Jesus that the only way he could accomplish them, the only way he could stay obedient to God was that he set his mind and his heart, his face, if you will, like a flint. And I'm going to tell you something, folks. If there are things that Jesus had to set his face like a flint for, there are things you and I are going to have to learn to do the same with. I am about to preach to you one of the most simple messages that you will ever hear preached because it's just simple. There's nothing profound about what I am about to say. But I promise you this. It is crucial. It is vital to successful Christian living. It is as important of a message as you will hear in a long time. 
The reason that so many Christians fail is because they have not learned how to set their heart and set their mind in one direction and just be faithful to God no matter what comes. Jesus said that this is what he set his face to do. In Isaiah, we have the context of what it's about. To have his back basically ripped off, the flesh ripped off of his back. To have the beard plucked from his face. To be spit on. All of these things done publicly. To be publicly humiliated and then ultimately to die publicly a terrible, painful death. That's what Jesus set his mind and his heart to do. And then he says to you and I, Follow him. Now, I want you to notice what Jesus says in response to all that, but the Lord God helps me. And he ultimately says, therefore, I will not be disgraced, and I shall not be put to shame. He says, I'm going to be hurt, I'm going to be mocked, I'm going to be bruised, I'm going to be crucified, but... But, 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 the Lord God helps me. Now, I want you to see something, brothers and sisters. The help of God is very different from what we tend to think that it is. Prosperity, spiritually speaking, according to the Word of God, is very different from what we tend to think prosperity means in modern-day Christianity. Jesus said, I'm going to endure these things, but I will not be put to shame because God is with me. This morning, if you're going to, if, if you're going to be successful in your Christian living, you must learn how to set your heart and your mind like a stone in certain areas where you will not waver, you're not turning to the left, you're not turning to the right, you're not turning back, you've made up your mind, you've made up your heart, it does not matter what I face, I'm going this way for God. And I want to share with you real simply three things that will mean to you. If you, want to, if you make that decision, if you live that life, if you truly follow Jesus, I want to share with you three things that that means this morning. Number one, it means that you alone must make the choice. You alone must make the choice. It says, I have set my face. Not, God has set it for me. You need to understand that. God's not going to make the decision for you. There are a lot of folks that stumble around in sin all of their Christian life, and they, they want to blame God for it, like it's his fault. Like I prayed and asked God to take it away. I prayed and asked God to remove every temptation from my life. Like, God, if you just remove the temptations, then I wouldn't be tempted. It don't work that way. You've got to make up your mind, and you've got to make up your heart, and you've got to get it set that you will not live a life of sin. And you alone have to make that choice. Your wife cannot make it for you, sir. Your husband cannot make that choice for you, ma'am. Your mommy and daddy can't make that choice for you. Your children can't make that choice for you. Your pastor cannot make that choice for you. You alone must make the choice in your own life 
and in your own heart and in your own mind that you are going to be faithful to God no matter what everybody else does. It's not a team decision. We're not like going to sit around and take a vote. What do you guys think? Are we going to follow God with all of our hearts? It don't work that way. And here's the reality. Even inside the group of those who call themselves by the name of God, the team think rarely, rarely is faithful to God in all all ways. We we make excuses for half-hearted devotion. And if your faithfulness to God goes no further than the team that you're a part of, there will come a time when you will find that your team does not do what is right. They are, they, there's something that is off. You have got to make the decision all alone that you are going to serve God no matter what it means. You know, every Christian hero at some point or another has had to stand alone. And the work that the God calls us to, it's often hard. It's not always hard, but it is often hard. There are things inside the will of God for your life that are not going to be easy and obedience will absolutely be required. You know what's happened, especially in this culture? We have become puppets of our own feelings. So whatever I feel controls me. Whatever I want controls me. And, you, and, and, and you're just hoping and praying that sometime God changes all the things that your flesh wants so that you're not controlled by your flesh anymore. And really, you're just a weak puppet of your own sinful desires. You need to understand something about the will of God in your life. There will come times you don't feel like doing the will of God. There will come times you don't feel like being faithful to God. There will come times that you don't feel like obeying everything that God has told you to obey. And you must choose to be obedient to God no matter what you feel. No matter what you're going through. You have to decide for yourself that you're going to be faithful to God. Number two this morning. You okay, young man? Number two this morning. It means living to do the Father's will above all else. You've got to get your mind and your heart set that no matter what, you're going to do the Father's will. You have to be focused. You have to refuse to be distracted. This particular message was actually born out of this thought earlier this week as I was personally contemplating on the things in my life that I know I need to be most committed to that I often get distracted from. And I get distracted from them not by doing bad things, not by doing sinful things, but by doing other good things that are lesser important. And I was just thinking on that. I was thinking how the enemy tries to come in and steal away my devotion to God's ultimate will for my life. 
We have got to learn how to set our heart, how to set our mind, to set the face like a flint, that, Lord, I'm going to do your will above all else. No matter what that means, no matter where that leads me, God, I just want to do your will. All too often, though, especially in shallow Christianity, it's not really that we want to do the will of God. It's that we want the favor of God in hopes that God will help us accomplish our will. Like, I've got a plan. I want this. I want this in my life. I'm hoping that this thing changes in, you know, maybe a relationship, uh, maybe a career, maybe a social status, maybe a financial situation. And we're like, God, I, I really just want God on my side so that God can help me accomplish my will. I'm going to tell you something, brothers and sisters. Real, true, authentic Christianity, and I'm going to get to this here in a minute, it's about death to my will, and it's about, Lord, I just want your will. God, I trust that your will is what's best for me, even if it doesn't always make sense, even if it doesn't always feel like what's best for me. God, I know that you're good. I know that you're God. I know that I'm your son or your daughter. I know that you love me, and therefore I trust you, God. What I want more than anything, Lord, is your will to be accomplished in my life. Jesus set his face like a flint to do the Father's will. Now consider all that came against him to change his mind. I mean, this is why he had to set his face like a flint. Consider just the natural fear of pain. Listen, Jesus did not want in his own flesh, in his own humanity, he did not want to endure the cross. We know this because we see that this one final time in the Garden of Gethsemane, you remember Jesus actually prayed three times, God, if there's any other way, Father, if there's any other way. Let this cup, this death that I'm about to endure, let it pass from me. But he says, nonetheless, not my will, but yours be done. Jesus had made up his mind and his heart. He had set his face like a flint that what mattered most above all else was to do the will of God. I ask you the honest question this morning. Can you say that about your life? Is it truly what you yearn for and desire more than anything? Is that the will of God be worked out in your life? Jesus set his face like a flint to be mocked and spit upon, to be beaten nearly to the point of death, to be abandoned by his disciples, to bleed in agony on the cross, to be crucified. This is what he had to set his face like a flint to do. And today's group of people, generally speaking, we want nothing to do with sacrifice. We want nothing to do with suffering. But here's what Paul said. Paul said that he prayed that he might know Jesus and the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. See, Paul understood something. We cannot become like Jesus without following Jesus. And all of us, we want the power 
We read about the power of God. We want the power of God in our lives. We all want the power, but we're not willing to go through the suffering and lay down our lives and lay down our rights and lay down our selfish desires. We're not willing to sacrifice in order to live in that power. You have got to get to the place in your life this morning, brother. You have got to get to the place in your life this morning, sister, that you truly desire the will of God in your life above all else. And number three this morning, and I'm done. It means realizing that death to self is the only path to victory. Death to self is the only path to victory. So Jesus says that God's opened my ear. I've heard what's going to happen, and I was not rebellious. I, I, I went forward. I was obedient. I did not turn backwards. He said, I gave my back to those who strike. I gave my cheek to those who pull out the beard. I hid not my face from disgrace and spitting. Here's what he says. But the Lord God helps me, and I will not be put to shame. I want you to see something, and I'm telling you, I pray the Holy Spirit will help you to see this this morning and truly receive it. Jesus understood that the real victory that he was after, it came through suffering and death. It came through it. There was no way around it. You couldn't take the long way around and not have to go through suffering and not have to go through death and still eventually wind up at the same finish line of victory. Jesus understood the victory that he would win. It came through laying down his life for the Father's will, giving up his rights, giving up his freedoms, and being willing to die to self. And then he says to all of us, take up your cross and follow him. Real victory True spiritual victory only comes through death to self. You cannot be living for yourself. You cannot be after your own dreams and your own desires. You cannot have some secret ulterior motive where you're just trying to supposedly, even in your own mind, in your own heart, You're trying to be faithful to God, but there's some ulterior motive that the whole reason you're trying to do it is because you want want to gain something. Like I said, you want God to help you with your will to be done. You have got to be willing to die to yourself. God, it's not my life anymore. It's yours. This life was bought with a price, and I belong to you, Lord For many years, there's been a powerlessness that has swept the American church. And it's it's not that there aren't pockets of places where God has always been moving, because there always has been. But generally speaking, there's been a powerlessness that has swept the American church. And I don't mean powerlessness to influence politics. I mean a true spiritual powerlessness to see lives changed 
what's happened in a lot of ways is we have lost uh, we have lost the power in the church, and so we're not really seeing people transformed. We're not seeing sinners saved. And so we're having to come up with new ways to get people into the church to grow the church. And what we've, what we've decided, what we've kind of settled on, is we have to learn how to do two things. Be super entertaining and provide a great experience. And so we can't really promise you're going to experience God But what we can promise is everything else you experience is going to be awesome. I mean, it's going to be fun. You're going to laugh. You're going to be moved. Music's going to be fantastic. We're going to have a great speaker. Lights, the whole shebang. Things for your kid. Coffee for you. Frappuccino for you. We're going to have it all. It's going to be the greatest experience you've ever had in church. The The one piece that's missing is... The Holy Spirit isn't moving and lives aren't transformed. And I'm going to tell you something, brothers and sisters. Here's why. And it takes the Holy Ghost to help us see us this morning. There is no resurrection without death. If all that we're doing is trying to convince you that technically your life could be even greater than it already is... Because you're so cool that God loves you so much. He wants you to be even richer and healthier and wealthier. And he, you think your life's fun now. Wait until you see how fun it'll be with Jesus. There's no real coming to the cross here. There's no realization that we are sinners doomed to an eternity in hell. But there was a God that loved us enough to send his son to bleed and die for our sins so that we might be forgiven and that we need to die to our old sinful ways and turn to Jesus. And without that peace, there is no real transformation. You see, it takes this great degree of trust. I'm going to close with this. It takes this great degree of trust for Jesus to say, okay, okay. They're going to tear my back off. And they're going to, they're going to pull the beard from my face. And they're going to spit in my face. And they're going to blindfold me. And they're going to put a crown of thorns on my head. And they're going to hit me. They're going to hit me over the top of the head with that. Father, that's what you're, that's what you're asking me to do? Well, but that's not all. You see, it takes this great degree of trust for Jesus to say, Okay, Father, I laid down my life for your will. Now listen to me, Christian. It takes a great degree of trust for us. It takes a great degree of trust for you to truly say, okay, I am done doing it my way. Lord, I don't really know what it's going to look like in my social status and with my peers and with my friends and with my career. I don't really know what it's going to look like, Lord, if I truly lay down my life and lay down my rights and I quit living for me and I am completely surrendered to you. But God, I 
trust you. That your will for my life is what's best. And it takes this degree of trust to be willing to set our face, our mind, and our heart like a flint. It's not going to be moved to the left or the right. I, um, I've been asked a handful of times over the years, like, why I think that um, I was able to change so fast and so rapidly and never, ever go back. And sometimes it's difficult to answer that question because the, 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 the right, the, it's not super simple to answer, I suppose. But the, the truth is, is that it was the grace of God, right? It was God's grace. But like, can, can we be honest? I've seen a lot of people that God's changed radically as well that still end up turning and going back. And so, what's the conclusion? Did God just love me more than he loved the rest of his children? I mean, all of us in here know that's a stupid answer. Did God give me a measure of grace that he hasn't given to all the rest of his sons and daughters? It's an absurd question, isn't it? I'm going to tell you what the truth is. If there's one good thing that came out of that five awful years of living in my life, it's this. By the time it was done, I knew that I knew that I knew that I knew that I knew this whole world was a lie. I knew it. I had tasted it all, and it left me empty. And there wasn't, you, you, you could take all seven billion people on the planet and, and have them try to convince me otherwise. They didn't know what I knew. I had tasted it. I had seen it all. It was all garbage. It was all a great big lie. And I knew that I knew that I knew I didn't want to, do, go, I didn't want to live in it anymore. And when I got saved, I literally just made up my mind, I'm not going back. It's not that there's never been temptation. It's not that I haven't had the same struggles that a lot of other folks have had. At the end of the day, and I'm not trying to be mean-spirited here, at the end of the day, the reason so many other people's story isn't the same is because you're a weak puppet to your own feelings. And you need to make up your mind and make up your heart. You're going to be faithful to God. Quit making excuses for why you can't show up to the house of God and worship God. Quit making excuses for why you can't open your Bible and read it with your own eyes. Quit making excuses for why you can't give God five to ten minutes a day in prayer. Stop making excuses for your sinful, weak attitude and make your mind up. Set your heart like a flint that you're going to serve God no matter what comes your way. And nobody can do it for you but you. It really is that simple. No, God didn't do something mysteriously in my life. He hasn't done in yours and that he's not willing to do for you. You just haven't made up your mind. When things get hard, when faithfulness doesn't seem to pay, There ain't any of us that have ever endured what Jesus did. I don't care how wrong 
been done. Ain't none of us ever been wronged like Jesus was wronged. There's just never an excuse. There's never an excuse for us not being faithful to God in all of our ways. But you've got to set your face like a flint to do it, brothers and sisters. Being faithful to God for the long haul, it is not for the faint of heart.